Hello, my name is Amelia Feltner, and you are listening to Strangers in Conversation. Today, you will hear my conversation with Sam Pierce, an upcoming Grammy-winning star. He was an English teacher, he had a brief modeling gig, and he is ready to go on the journey of life, which may include being a teacher again, or it may include signing with a label, or it may include becoming a dad, or all three. Sam is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He is very talented, and I'm glad I got to meet and talk with him. Now get ready for our conversation with Sam Pierce. Hi. Hi, Amelia. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I... (laughs) Yeah, you are my first person, so, like, I'm a little nervous, but, like, honestly, like, I think you could be, like, the best person, because you've just been, like, so nice <laughs> about everything, and I've just been, like, I'm so glad I didn't get, like, a douchebag for my first interviewee, so. <laughs> oh, great, great. Um, okay, so I wanted to ask you, where where are you from? I just don't... Yeah, fair. Um, I was born in Dover, Massachusetts. It's a suburb, kind of like almost a rural suburb, maybe 45 minutes southwest of Boston. Um, I lived in that house till I was 17. And now and then we moved to Milton. My mom still lives in Milton. So I say Boston, but um, it's a lie. I'm really from Dover in Milton. Yeah, I feel like that's just like, you know, if you say you're from Chicago, you're really not. You're just from the suburbs or, you know, it just. <laughs> where, are you, um, where are you broadcasting from, Amelia? Um, so I am from Missouri, uh-huh. um, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it's just in. So if you know, like St. Louis and Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, geogra- I unfortunately haven't been, but I know where they are geographically. Yeah. And so so it's just Columbia. Um, that's where I'm from. And, and right now, um, it's just in the middle. So it's two hours, St. Louis, two hours, Kansas City. Um, so it's a medium-sized town, but um, you can go two hours either way and then get like a big city. Cool. Yeah, you yeah. might be the first person I know from Missouri. So it's it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's an okay place to live. I mean, like, I feel like people like kind of make fun of Missouri it's like oh it's a misery or something like that and I'm from Massachusetts and we don't say that about Missouri (laughs) yeah and also I feel like a lot of people who don't know like geographic um things they're just like where is that and I'm just like it's in the middle of the United States like right in the middle yeah yeah um, okay, so I wanted to talk about, I guess, your new, so your new album, Base Date, comes out next week, yeah, right? it comes out on Friday, April 16th. Okay, great. Um, so I, I, I gave it a listen. Um, so I think I just want to say one of my favorite songs um, is probably, I really liked Great Blue Hill. Oh, cool. Um, I thought that was a cool one. Um, I feel like I don't know about like you, but like, and how important it is for musicians, but like, I feel like the, the first, um, I don't know, like 20 seconds is probably really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that, the beginning of that, um, of Great Blue Hill was really good. And I feel like that kind of got me hooked. So I did want to ask, like, 
how as a musician do you take an account that first very beginning that's an excellent question that I've, I've never had to answer before so i'm going to think about it for a sec um i'm thinking through the different songs and kind of how they all begin well i think one nice way to think about it is you know how a lot of movies begin with like uh fade into the scene like maybe like there's credits on a black screen and then there's like a little bit of fade and then you're suddenly in a space ideally when you make a song you want to create that feeling where you hear the first as you said maybe 20 seconds or really just the first sounds and you're in the space that's like the ideal result um but it's challenging and it's also challenging to try to like like, I think it's a natural tendency for artists to begin and end their songs the same way. Like I was observing that most of my songs begin with just my voice and guitar and then I add stuff in. Um, and so for the next album, I'm trying to think about how to just be a little bit more versatile um, with respect to the way I begin and end songs. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think um we you know when you have an album or a song you just want to kind of keep it the same kind of vibe and ambiance and and i think if you kind of start the way and end the way and then have it all the same in the middle it's that's just like the most important thing yeah i'm really i'm really happy you like great blue hill um it's one of my favorites too but as you noticed i put it at the end of the album because it's not necessarily like one that I think lots of people will immediately connect to. So it makes me happy that you enjoyed that one. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, did you have, um, I guess this, this might be like an easy question to answer, but I didn't know. Did you make the album like intended for people to listen to it from top to bottom? Um, well, it's a great question. I think there's kind of two different answers. Um, Yes, the way I structured it now, I definitely want it to be a full listening experience. And I recognize that like a lot of people aren't going to make it all the way through because in the age of streaming, it's just less common that people listen all the way through albums. Um, but my, my ideal hope is that people listen all the way through. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't know, like, maybe if I know some artists will maybe like have the the end of one song and the beginning of a new song kind of like correlate. Um, I don't know if you had any of that going um, on. There's one pretty good example of that, which is the end of the first song, Pangea. It just, it's kind of like just this minute of just thrashing at the same guitar chord. It's like probably the most violent moment of the album. And then it sort of like, kind of like settles into a more steady but related guitar sound in the in the second song that's new 92 acura um and it's actually on soundcloud because of the way soundcloud works it kind of breaks it up but hopefully when it's on spotify it'll be like a nice smooth transition and you'll be able to hear that um and another, yeah i another way i interpreted your question is like did i write the songs with the intention of them being in this order and, and the answer to that is no um i wrote probably had like 15 or 16 songs I was considering and then sort of chose these nine as the ones that fit together the best. And then I did a lot, a lot of experimenting. Um, and I also asked my friends for their opinion and like through all that experimenting and feedback decided on this particular order. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk to you about, I thought it was really fascinating about that you used to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. So, you taught, was it eighth grade? Yeah, I taught eighth grade English. 
So I just, um, I wanted to know how did you get that? How did you go to school and then be, get an English, you know, major or? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, I went to college, um, I went to Brown University and I studied English. And then I applied to like, so a lot of people who become teachers study education in college, but I applied to a program mm -hmm. where it was intended for people who didn't study education and instead studied a particular subject area. So my area was English. Um, and I got into that program um, and kind of got trained um, in a very short period of time and then started teaching English the next fall um, in New York City. So did you, when you decided to enter that program, did you think it was going to be a long-term thing or did you kind of know it was going to be short-term? Uh, well, I definitely assumed it was going to be just my career. And like, I think it's still pretty likely I'll be a classroom teacher again because I do love it. Um, my mom's a teacher and, and I look up to my mom and um, another one of my role models, Mr. Chung, I guess I call him Tarim now, but he's kind of always Mr. Chung. He was my, he was my English teacher in high school and, and I really look up to him. So the combination of that kind of made me want to be a teacher. The only reason I was a able to and be chose to stop being a teacher is um, I was working pretty consistently um, as a model and I like had opportunities to work in other countries and I wanted to be able to experience that. So I, and it, it wasn't possible to like travel and teach at the same time. Um, so after two years, I decided to leave my school and work abroad for a year and just get that experience. So with the modeling that you did while teaching, was that, um, did you know that you were going to do that? Did you, were you seeking it? Was it like, um, like you were seeing it as an art form or, or money or? Great question. Um, I would say definitely money and an, an interesting experience. Like it's definitely very different than any other kind of work I've done. It once in a while feels like art. If someone has like a really clear vision and I'm like allowed to do a little bit of acting, even though it's usually silent acting. Um, but usually it's more just like, I'm just kind of like an object for people to put their, their creations on. Like, I think there's a lot of art in fashion, but there's rarely in my experience, a lot of art in the process of modeling the clothes. Um, so yeah, it was, it was teachers, unfortunately are, are not adequately paid and it really made it easier, not only for me to live, but also for me to like buy the classroom supplies that I needed for my students. Yes, yes. I do know that like teachers do get under, underpaid and a lot of teachers have to use their out of pocket stuff yeah. um, and stuff like that. So it would definitely would make that a little easier. Um, so you were a teacher and planned to be a teacher. Then you did the modeling gig for money. And then how did you kind of become this, you know, musical artist or were you always one or something? Um, I, I mean, I, maybe I was always one. I've definitely been one since I was a young kid. Um, I mean, I was like making up little songs about animals when I was like four, like, and I kind of remember a couple of them. <laughs> and then um, I first started making songs in like a recorded form when I was maybe mm, 12, I think I was in sixth grade. And we had like this, I don't know, 44 key piano, um, like, a, like a plastic keyboard that connected to our, I think it was like a Gateway 95, our computer. And it came with a computer program where you could like record the things you played. And like, it had these maybe 20 different sounds. 
and I, I chose like the French horn sound as the voice. And I was like, I didn't know how to play piano, but I just like poked at different notes that kind of sounded nice together and I built chords. And then I would like write a vocal melody and document it by playing the French horn sound. And that was like the very beginning of, of songwriting in a way that I could record for me. And I, I never really stopped except for, for four years between when I was 22 and 26. Um, I had like really bad tendonitis and I couldn't play my instruments. So there was four years where I really wasn't making songs at all. Okay. Um, so like, did you, did you just like start, how, how did you like start recording? Like, did you just like, like you said it with like that instrument and all that, or did you like, how did you like be like, Oh, I want to do this. Great question. I have to think back to like, if there was a specific moment. Um, I think one moment that was pretty cool for me was I, I used to, I, I worked, I was like an art and music teacher at an arts camp called Charles River Creative Arts Program, um, which it might have a different name now, but I was, I was there as a counselor, but before that I went there as a, as a camper. And um, I was kind of shy about music. I didn't think I was that good, but I played, I started playing trumpet in some of the bands. And then one time I like suggested um, a Radiohead song, Fake Plastic Trees. And uh, I think like the counselor said, like, do you want to sing it? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll give this a try. And I was like, pretty scared. Like, I just didn't think I was as good as the other singers. Um, but I remember, I think I can remember singing that song in front of people with a band and like just the feeling of singing with a band um, for people. And it was just a pretty amazing feeling. And I just kind of knew I wanted to have more of that feeling. Um, so yeah. That, that was definitely one of the big moments, right? I mean, I used to say I want to be a rock star, and I've since kind of stopped saying <laughs> that out loud, but it hasn't really ever been not true. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, um, I don't know if this might be specific to you, but sometimes I, I notice that, you know, artists will change, um, change genres when they kind of go to different albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I just was wondering, like, are you planning on doing that? Are you change? Are you planning on changing things up in the future? Um. Well, I think between the albums I've released, there is sort of a difference in genre. In that, like on um, "Hold Me Rare Animal," I mostly play acoustic instruments, and then on "Bass Day," I do a lot more electric guitar uh, and mm-hmm. a lot more drums. Um, I'm not the drummer, but another person played drums. Um, and so, so I'd say it was maybe a transition from like indie folk to indie rock. And now I think the change I want to make is I want to write about, excuse me, I want to write about a broader range of subjects because most of the, most of the songs on Bay State and Hold Me Rare Animal are about relationships. And, uh, mm-hmm. and but there's one song on Bay State, Dad's New 92 Acura, that's really about my family. And I think there's a lot in my life that I want to speak about, but it's either a little bit scary to speak about, or it just seems harder to put in a song. But I want to kind of challenge myself and sing about those kinds of things. Um, so I think that will be a change. And I think I will also try some new things musically. In particular, I might work with some faster tempos. Based it's a pretty slow piece of music. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of wide open at this point. I've only really made one new, well, one and a half new songs. So I don't really know where it's going to go, but I definitely have the intention of doing something different. And at the same time, it's important to me that whatever I do feels authentic, that I'm still being myself musically, just a different version of myself. Yeah, I, that was something I also was going to talk about was like, I feel like some artists can kind of get in this loophole of if um, their manager producers like, hey, let's try this, even though it might not be authentic to you, let's try it. And then it, and then it might be really successful. And then they kind of get in this loophole of doing something that they don't want to do. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think being trying to be authentic is just is really great. Um, I did want to ask, well, not ask, but I one of my favorite instruments is the piano. And, you know, you didn't have any, you know, piano really. And so in your albums, I just didn't know if you have like something like, do you like, I know you say you had like a guitar and drums. Do you just like love that? Or do you just hate other instruments or? <laughs> there are actually, there's, I'll tell you the songs that there's piano on in case you want to check them out. Um, there's piano on Pangea on um one more rose on there's a little bit of Wurlitzer keyboard on um only kids in the theater there's a lot of whirly on south station and there's whirly and piano on great blue hill so listen it's not necessarily as prominent as you might be expecting but um when it's there yeah so in great blue hill uh i think it's maybe about a minute after the beginning there's like the slow part, right? And then the drums and bass and guitar coming, right? And then after one or like eight bars, maybe, then the piano comes in. And it's like, it's not the center of attention, but it's like another texture. Um, so yeah, I, I love piano. My my best friend, um, Matthew O'Coin, he's a he's like a pretty, pretty uh, top of his game, um, like new classical composer and that he makes like, modern music and so it's it's not like a it's a type of music that's sort of like a specific group of people listen to but within that group of people he's like someone that kind of everyone admires um but you know I just have the good luck of him being my best friend and so I asked him to play on it um and so he's the one who played the piano on those songs okay well that's good I'm glad that there was like secret piano that I just <laughs> didn't hear <laughs> Um, so I did want to ask, like, I feel like, so my family is like really into business, you know, there's not many creative, um, people in my family. And one of the things that's like most important is like networking. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to like, ask, like, as a musician, like how important is like networking? Um, I mean, in theory, it's everything. And I'm not saying that as someone who's like had any like success in that respect yet so I can't tell you that I know how to network but I mean my producer Kyle Joseph says that like so much of getting signed as a musician and getting success in like a more conventional sense as a musician is just having the right person hear your music at the right time a person with the power to distribute it and that person happens to be in the mood to like really receive your music um that hasn't happened to me yet but i uh my next single dad's new 92 accurate i think like five 
blogs are gonna write about it and a couple of them are blogs that like apparently are you know respected so that's that's pretty exciting for me um with regard to networking and like my relationship to it i kind of like cringe from the word it sounds like something i don't want to do but i've kind of figured out my own version of it which i do enjoy which is that um i've just been going on instagram and uh anyone who follows me i'll like just send them like a little hello message and it's usually a voice message and i i speak um french and portuguese and spanish like pretty fluently like i can you know leave a, a comprehensible message i've I attempted a few messages in Italian and German too. I don't know how good they were, but uh, I try <laughs> to like reach out to people. I mean, you know, I take some time to look at their page and try to figure out like what the language they prefer to communicate in. And then I leave them a message and, you know, not everyone replies, but a lot of people I think are just kind of appreciative of the the time that I take to send an, an individual message, because I think a lot of people kind of copy and paste a form letter and send it to as many people as possible. And I understand that strategy, but I guess I just kind of want to demonstrate to each person, like when you send your music to someone, you're asking them for a favor, basically. You're saying like, take a piece of your time to listen to this thing I created. You might not like it at all, but I'm asking for a favor. Um, and, and before the pandemic, I used to, I used to make uh, origami butterflies and like give them to everyone I gave my card to. And that was my way of saying thanks. It's like, I'm asking you to listen to my music. So um, like, here's something I did for you. Um, but you can't really do that during the pandemic. So another thing I figured out is just trying to leave genuine voice messages. If they're like, I try to look at their page and find something that I genuinely think is cool to like compliment them on. And um, yeah, and, and that's what I've been doing. And who knows like how effective it is compared to other strategies, but it's a strategy that I genuinely enjoy and it feels authentic to who I am. So it's, I'm happy with it for the time being. Yeah, I think that is, that's like, sounds so great. And and I mean, like, even if it, it doesn't like work, I think if you have fun with it and I really think like, you know, if, if, if someone who like doesn't have any followers and then they say, oh, the Sam guy, you know, who has almost 5,000 followers just sent me a message. Like I would, you know, that's pretty cool. And so I think you just, I feel like you just have to like, think like, someone's this is gonna make somebody's day you know like there's gonna be somebody out there that's yeah what maybe what if i send like 500 messages maybe one of those people it'll make their day and that i agree <laughs> yeah that one person on 500 that's the most important um so i wanted to ask uh you so you said you want to do teaching again but then i know that you're also trying to get signed right well i'm would love to get signed in the slightly more distant future I've, I've given up on getting signed for this record um i talked to a label who they didn't demonstrate interest on account of my music i think they're just kind of like a cool label that supports kind of um emerging artists and so they're like we will listen to your record and give you feedback but they said just so you understand if we sign you we won't release your record until like a full year from now and i talked to my producer and someone he knows who kind of has more expertise and, and we agreed like that's too far in the future. Um, so what I'm gonna do is send that record label um, my album when I put it out on my own. And then, you know, if they're interested as I'm working on my new music, I'll send it to them and, and hopefully maybe get signed for the next record. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would, the dream for me would be to be able to make a living from my music. 
Um, but, you know, I just recognize how, how rare that is, even for artists who are like really excellent. Um, you know, it's certainly not something one can count on. So what I'm trying to do is just put as much time into my music as I can, but also be realistic and think like, especially in the future, if I'm a father, I think it's good to have like a steady job and also a job that's sort of like social, like as a teacher, you're contributing to the community in a very direct way. And I think that's kind of a nice, nice element of your employment, especially when you're a parent. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that's a very likely path for me and it's a path I could feel great about. Um, but I don't know exactly what the future holds at this point. Yeah, I mean, if we all knew what our future was, like, it would just be great. I mean, <laughs> it's just all, too, though. you know, yeah. it's kind of fun to see, to, to see your life develop as in real time. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so, so I guess the plan right now is try to get signed, but you wouldn't, you know, you would be okay with being a teacher, I guess, in a few years and just doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, I think. I wanted to ask about, you know, when I was kind of doing research about doing this whole podcast thing and, you know, I was reading books and watching videos, you know, and doing all this research and, and people are just like talking about um, your friends and your family who you might ask for opinions about on like, you know, this episode or whatever it, you kind of have to be separate from that. And like um, one of the people that I you know was researching about who was a great podcast and she's really successful was like my husband doesn't listen to my podcast you know he he loves me he's a you know he you know he's my supporter but he's not a fan of the podcast and that's great and so I just wanted to know like for you as a musician like I know that it's important for your loved ones and all that to like your music but like do you try to keep yourself separate from that um or you like gonna be pretty bummed out they're like oh this isn't my favorite thing in the world you know yeah, that's a that's a great question um I and it, it's interesting too because like you kind of just assume your loved ones are gonna say they like it even if they don't um <laughs> yeah I think in the case of my mom I think my mom genuinely loves everything I make because I'm her son which is a nice yeah and I appreciate that um yeah I I, I had a family member like uh send me an email with like a lot of uh critical feedback for my song um on the day it came out and I remember feeling pretty bummed about that um but I decided to just you know say thank you for the feedback and um I don't know it's, it's interesting like feedback is really important and it's a great way to grow but I think it's also important to like Hold your own opinion as being of equal value you know like just because someone has a strong opinion that opinion is everyone's entitled to their opinion and I think it makes sense to consider every opinion you receive but like if at the end of the day you consider that opinion and you think no that's not what I want to do for example uh, my, my family member wrote the email saying like I shouldn't be so basically my singing is like too vulnerable and too authentic and like it's, he says it's like very beautiful, but it's almost like painful to listen to. And I was like, I think I know exactly what he's saying. And he's saying like, I should assume a persona that's like a little bit more shielded. And I'm paraphrasing. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily perfectly capturing his message, but I kind of heard that and I was like, 
I totally get where he's coming from. I get why like my music could be uncomfortable for people to listen to, but like that's sort of all I know how to do well is just is be myself. And like I definitely want to grow as a musician and try new things, but I don't think I ever want to like relinquish my authenticity um, or just attempt because I've actually tried to make songs where I'm sort of being someone I'm not. I've tried to make like hit, I've tried twice to make hit songs and it was just, they weren't very good. <laughs> I mean, they were catchy, but like I kind of got over them pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, it's feedback from people is important and inevitably for me, I'm going to be more sensitive to it if it's from someone I love, no doubt. Um, but I think it's just important to remember that like your, your own opinion matters too. And it's okay to disagree with feedback. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I am like, I, you know, I was telling my mom the other day, like, I need to get thicker skin or something. Like, I, I'm honestly really bad with criticism, <laughs> but I think it's just like, um, I think everyone in a way is, you know, just kind of, you know, if someone's gonna, you know, call you whatever, it just, it might hurt your feelings a little bit. I think it's just kind of like um, valuing, like, you know, they, you know, they don't really know what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. So like, they don't have, so it's just like, you know, you have to like, think like, okay, if, if someone who has an Oscar tells me I am bad at acting, I'm going to believe it. But you know, if they, if they go, if, you know, if they're on the off, off Broadway, I'm not, I don't care what they think. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but. No, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Is there something else you were saying? No, 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 that was it. <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think it's also okay to be like, well, maybe this person is right about this one thing, but like, I still love my art and my art doesn't have to be perfect for it to be worth, you know, sharing. Um, and by the way, I think I'm like very impressed with your podcast so far. Like your interviewing is awesome. You're asking really, really like meaningful and interesting questions. Some of which I've like never thought about before. So I just, I just want to, give you my two cents that I think you're doing great. Now for my favorite part of the podcast, advice time. Me and Sam are going to exchange pieces of advice that we think would benefit from each other and for our listeners. Enjoy. In that, like, I think I'm angry about stuff in my life and stuff in the world. And I think that anger in some cases is valid, but it isn't necessarily productive. Um, and I think also some of the, like, the reason, some of the things I'm angry about, the reason they occurred is because like another person wasn't able to control their anger. So I'm recognizing how important it is for me to be able to kind of master my anger as a, as a force for good, if anything, right? And so I was just curious about your perspective. I think that's something I genuinely need help with. Um, so if you're if you're cool with a little bit of a, uh, not exactly a U-turn, but a little bit of calling an audible, <laughs> we use the sports metaphor, then um, I would I would really appreciate your perspective on that. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, I can I could do that. So um, anger and kind of dealing with your emotions is is honestly something I'm dealing with as well. Um, and I, I see, um, I see a therapist, um, on a regular basis, which, yeah, <laughs> cheers. Um, and I think honestly, like, 
um besides this like I honestly think like seeing like a therapist or a counselor is just like people need to talk about it more and make it so normal and like I think um now like I think um some of my friends would be like oh yeah I'm going to see my therapist and I'll be like oh wait I have one you know and I just I'm like oh wait like I know I think like people think oh no one um goes and sees help but uh, there's a lot more people out there and I think like normalizing it should be like should, we should all do that as a society I agree 100%. um yeah so with anger I think um, you know, I was actually talking to my therapist about this. That's kind of why I mentioned it is, um, you know, I think she, um, she was just telling me how you kind of have to find your, your own outlets. And I think everybody's outlets are different. Um, for me, I love, um, I love to journal. And so I think journaling, um, when I'm feeling angry or just when I'm, I don't know how, um, if somebody says something to me, I don't really know how to take it or I took the wrong way at that moment later, I'll be like, okay, this is what they said. I think this is what they meant and all that. But um, again, with the journaling, you kind of have to be careful, I think, because I think you can, it can be obsessive and you can do it like too frequently. Um, and also like doing it every day or doing it like a lot is kind of you can get burnt out from it um so I don't do it like um a ton a ton but I do it like regularly so it's I still like doing it um I think also just like um removing yourself from like a situation I find that like isolating yourself is can be like really helpful and just breathing my mom tells me to breathe all the time. I get annoyed by it. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll breathe. <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, she's like, you know, does the big like in and out thing. I'm like, okay, I'll do it with you. But you know, it does help, you know, even though I, just because I, I don't want to do it just because she's telling me to do it. Like I still do it and it does help. Um, but I think just like, I think also like I, um, I get, I can't control my emotions sometimes just because I feel like I personally am not in control. Mm. Um, like I get kind of frustrated with my family um, a lot if they're like, if they're late or something or if they're making me late and I hate being late and so I'll get angry or whatever. Um, but you just have to realize like um, we're late because of something that's it's, it's out of my control. And so I think just realizing things that I do control just, um, you do you don't you don't need to waste your energy on that um I think people use so much of their energy on and their emotions on things that are out of their control and I think energy should be spent otherwise <laughs> I don't know if that's good <laughs> oh, thank you so much for for um sharing your perspective and for that advice I mean all of some of that was like really important reminders of things I've thought about before but forget easily and I think some of it is kind of brand new for me like the idea of only putting your energy where you actually have control um I think it is I think I sometimes get really upset about things I can't control and um I mean that might be understandable but I think as you said it's really important to try to let go of what's out of your control and and direct that precious energy to something where you can you know make a positive change 
Um, so I, I'm looking when this episode is out, I'm going to like, you know, I'll have the timestamp and this is going to be a good thing for me to listen to when I'm, you know, trying to manage anger and other challenging emotions. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, so I gave you my, you know, Midwestern or young adult <laughs> advice best I could. Um, so uh, I, you're going to ask me about your thing, right? And I'm going to give you. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so my thing right now is, so I'm, I'm a senior right now in high school mm-hmm. and, um, I have been, so I'm planning to go to college. I've been accepted to places. I've um, visited campuses um, and the deadline to like, you have to like give the deposit to the college is May 1st. Yeah. Um, so less than a month away, I have to like do that. Right. Um, and I just been kind of like, you know, people are, where are you going to go to college and all that? I just, I'm like, I don't know. Um, but so right now I think, there's just, um, I'm kind of like battling this is, so there's a couple, I, I would say four options right now is, is what I'm deciding between is, is, so the first one is this local college that's like 10 minutes away. It's a big, big school. Um, I've, you know, I've lived here all my life and I, I know the area, my family's here. Um, I know a lot of people that are going here there, um, and going there next year. Um, and then the second option is a college that's very similar to this college in town, but um, about four hours away. Okay. So it's basically like if it just moved four hours away. And I do know people that are go there now and are going there next year. And then um, the third option is a small college um, in South Carolina. And I didn't think I wanted a small college. I thought I want to do a big college, um, sports, all that. Um, but I went and visited this college and I really loved it. But when I talk to people, they say, oh, you, I, you fe- I feel like you're not going to fit in there or you're not going to know anyone. And it is really far away. It's like, it's like 15 hours away. Yeah. And then the other college um, is also far away, but it's a big school. Um, and it's um, the other thing is the fourth college is um, there's a lot of like boys there which is like it sounds weird but like kind of like scares me (laughs) ratio isn't like close to 50 50 it's like many more men than women yeah and so it's kind of weird so that is it is that for like a policy reason like why is it that there's so many is it like a military school or something why there's so many boys that so that's the thing is it is kind of a military school well it's not like a military school there's like a big like um so the the fourth college is virginia tech and it's a it's like a cadet thing like there's a big cadet program there i don't know it's like 60 40 boys girls um and it's a really big campus and it's um i i don't know anyone so yeah so out of the four call in the third college i think right now if i had to say would be my favorite um the one in south carolina yeah, the one in South Carolina, and it's but it's a uh, it's small, and I I I didn't think I want to go to, ever to a small school, mm-hmm. um, but and my mom really wants to, me to go to either the first or second choice because they're a lot closer to home. Yeah. So. Oh, well, do you want to hear my two cents? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I think let me start by saying, um, I I appreciate you, you know, 
entrusting me with the opportunity to give you advice. And I want to start by saying, I think you should count my advice below the advice of pretty much anyone who really knows you. Like, I think your opinion is number one, in my opinion. And then your parents' opinions is probably the next most important. And then, you know, there's probably a lot of other people in your life who like really know Amelia and will just have more insight into like what the right school for you might be. But me, just having met you, I'll definitely do my do the best I can. Um, so I was curious, when you said the school in South Carolina is small, how small do you mean? Like how many, do you know about how many students are in one class, one grade? Um, so, um, when I did a tour, the tour guide who's, who's graduating as a senior said that her biggest class that she had was 30 people. That's awesome. Uh, I think what I, so that's good to know. That's kind of really nice situation on um, what I was asking about specifically is, do you know how many students are in like one year, like the class, cause let's see, you're going to be class of 2025. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, I don't, do you have any idea? I, I don't know. I know that there's about 10,000 undergraduates oh, okay. that, in total. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Interesting. Well, um, all right. So granted, this is all biased by my own life experience, but I went to a school that I want to say was like only maybe six or 7,000 undergrads. And um, it never felt small to me. I mean, I granted I went to a pretty small high school where I had maybe like 180 kids in my grade. Um, but, you know, you get to a point where you kind of recognize a lot of people, but that you never like run out of people to meet and get to know. So um, I think, in my opinion, because just to be clear, if there are only like 200 kids in a grade, because there are colleges like that, then I think the smallness, you might really feel it because there's just not the probability of finding people you really get along with is just lower if there's not that many people. But if you've got like 2,500 kids in your grade, I think you're going to be, you're definitely going to find your people. Um, it might just take some time. And that, I think that's kind of what freshman year is about. It's just like finding the people at college who you really connect with, who you really can trust and like enjoy your time with. Um, so I, in my opinion, although I understand that it might be much smaller than some of your other options, I don't think you're going to feel the smallness in a negative way. That's just my opinion. So um, if that kind of helps, since you already said it's your favorite, but you're worried about the smallness, maybe that helps you feel a little bit better about it. And I also totally get the concern about it being far from home. I mean, I went to college only about an hour from home. And one, it's super convenient. You know, if you like need something from home, you just go home and get it. And also like, I didn't miss my family as acutely because I could see them pretty frequently. Um, and when, when you say 14 hours, I figured you mean by car, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I very much respect your taking into account, like being close to your family and being able to spend time with them. I think one thing I'd like to offer is like, home will always be home like you'll always be able to go home and spend time with your family and um although like I also totally understand why your mom wants you to be close you know she's still going to get to see her daughter probably what Thanksgiving and winter break and spring break and then summer like at least four times a year if you're if you're able to maybe more frequently than that um and so you know it is it is a consideration and like I, I empathize, I'm obviously not a parent, but I empathize with parents wanting their kids to stay close. Um, but I don't think 
you know, it's not like you're leaving. It's important to remember that home will still be there. And something else that's really wonderful, in my opinion, is um, like going home for the first time after going to college, in my experience, was, was I mean, it was kind of strange because actually my, my parents got divorced between me starting college and Thanksgiving. But even so, when I went home and like spent time with my mom and my brother, it was just like so good to be with them because I'd been away from them for a few months. And so like, you know, I totally understand your mom's going to, your, your mom's going to miss you. You're going to miss your family. But um, I think that moment of reunion is going to be really great. And it's also going to be like that time you're together. I think you're going to maybe cherish each other in a way that you don't cherish each other all the time, just by nature of being around each other all the time. So I totally get that. Like it can be hard to be far from home. But I think there's some nice things that happen as a result of being away from home for a while. Yeah, that, that is very true. I feel like, you know, just like, um, you know, I have friends that are in college now and, you know, I won't see them for a few months. Then we'll get together and just like, yeah, that reunion is just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, like you just forget how long it's been and then. Mm-hmm it just makes it more special when you hang out together and stuff like that. Absolutely. Does that, uh, is that advice helpful in any ways or any like other things we're <laughs> thinking about? No, I think that's really good. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people have told me a lot of things and, um, you know, I think, you know, whatever I choose, um, it's not like, um, you know, my, my grandma said, it's not like you're signing a contract that you have to be there for four years. You can always leave. Um, and so, um, it's like a pretty big deal, but it's not the end of the world, um, where you decide. And congratulations on getting into four good schools. You know, it's really cool that <laughs> this is a really good problem to have, right? Having to choose between different colleges. So congratulations. Yes. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I I originally applied to like eight uh-huh. or something and I it took a while to narrow it down. Yeah. Um so yeah. And but I, yeah, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been a a joy to to be the first person on your podcast. Oh yes, it's been yeah, it's been great, great having you. You've been you've been so great and just like I just was like almost wanting to like not do this I was so nervous I was like I'll just I don't know like I just kept wanting to postpone it and then just being like okay I'm not gonna do a podcast in general and then I don't know I had the guts to finally be like okay we're doing it and so I'm glad I did it (laughs) I'm I'm very I'm excited to see where the podcast goes I will do everything in my power to get you some new listeners um and uh yeah just let let me know any like if um, well, thank you again, Amelia. It was it was really a pleasure to talk to you. I'm, I'm so excited to hear the podcast. Um, and uh, no, seriously, like I'm, I'm, you know, I, even if this hadn't been a really awesome interview, I would, I think it's really cool that like, you're a young person pursuing this dream, like I would obviously support it anyway. And like, on top of that, I think you did a great job. And I'm like, really excited about it. So I'm gonna do my best to get some people listening to it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'll, um, I should release it next week and then I'll, um, you know, tag you and all that. And so you can promote. Right. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Well, have a good day. Best of luck with your college decisions. Um, again, I, I think there's a, a lot of other people whose opinions should count for more, but if there's any other things you're wondering about, I'm happy to offer my perspective and, um, hope you have a great day. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, Sam. Bye, Amelia.